0: Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple, the culture is getting louder, the church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today, we are talking about yoga, Enneagram, and the progressive church. All right, guys, a lot of you have been asking me for this episode, and I tried to fit like three topics into one episode. So uh, I'm doing this as a solo show just so I can fit a lot in. And um, and this is also going to be an audio-only episode just so I can reference my notes here. Um First, welcome to the show. If this is your first time here, we're happy to have you. If you're a new listener, um, man, we're just excited to have you part of the Real Christianity family. If you've been here for a while and you've listened to several episodes, we'd ask that you leave a review. You just go to iTunes. You just need to tap the stars. You don't even need to write anything. But if you do write something, uh, we will read it, and uh, that really does help the exposure of the show. We have something like 4,500, maybe more. Uh, reviews and it is a huge part of the success of the show. Uh, additionally, we are. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys about Ultimate Marriage. Again, I remind people most of the time uh, to pick up um, or to go to uh, ultimatemarriage.com if you want to be a part of our six week marriage mentor program. It's a really effective program for building a biblical marriage. It's Veronica and I, it's six uh, videos, uh, PDFs. Um, tasks and, uh, for, for you and your, your spouse to do. It's a really great program, and I'd say it's very affordable. It's something that you want to do uh, proactively. You don't want to do it when your marriage is already hurting. So um, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, donations. This is a uh, new year, 2020. We have some great visions for an, an online church planting school that's, uh, I guess, online and in-person hybrid model for here in Bend, Oregon, as well as an online program. We are redesigning the entire relearn.org site to bring more resources, more free resources, articles, podcasts, videos, more digital content. Um, I'm trying to uh, to publish uh, at least one more, maybe two more books this year. Uh, but the main initiative is, yes, getting this church planting school created and continuing to bring great content. Uh, this stuff, guys, it, it costs a significant amount of money to continue to uh, proclaim the gospel to continue preaching in this uh, this this capacity, and um, we just ask that if you guys are already supporting, which many of you guys are supporting at you know ten bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, if you guys are regular consumers of the show, uh, it is a huge blessing to our team, and we would love to hire somebody. Uh, we're looking to hire a a donor manager um, right now. It's kind of like. I'll sometimes do that, and Christy will sometimes do that, and Simon will sometimes do that. We only have really three uh, people. I'm the only full-time person in the ministry. We have two part-time people and some contractors. Uh, We'd like to grow our team to build the the stability of the ministry out, and so your donations are really important. So we just ask that you go before the Lord, and uh, whatever He would have you do, Um, you know, and it might just be prayer, but um, every little bit counts. It could be a one-time donation. It could be 10 bucks a month. Uh, You just go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate, and that could be done there. So thank you guys so much just for even considering us there. Uh, It will be put to good use, and we will be good stewards of those resources. So guys, let's dive in on these topics. I'm going to actually open up with kind of the progressive church and then we'll kind of lean into yoga and then to the enneagram. So um if you're not aware uh, the the church you know is kind of a hot mess in the west and you know biblical christianity is, I would say, becoming the minority and the enemy is kind of birthing a variety of like, perverted and distorted versions of the gospel every year, it seems like. Uh, Doug Wilson, uh, he recently said in one of his podcasts, he said, As it is not possible to make a good omelet with rotten eggs, even with the best recipe and superb equipment, you cannot make a sound church with a rotten gospel. Um, we're we're a deceived church because we're an untrained church, uh, and we're an untrained church because we would rather be entertained uh, as a church than uh, be a church that loves doctrine and wants to study the Word. And what I'm saying is this, that the reason Christians are falling prey to all these, you know, heresies that are part of kind of this Progressive movement, the prosperity gospel, the workspace gospel, the repentance free gospel, uh, you know, all these things that we'll be discussing today, uh, in addition to this, um, you know, on top of that, I would say even the cultural fads is because many people in the church don't know. Their Bible, and in turn they don 't understand the gospel and when you don 't understand god 's truth and god 's grace you can 't understand god 's expectations for how He calls us to think, act, and speak and as a result, the church becomes vulnerable to all types of counterfeit doctrines and cultural ideas and experiences and that 's what we 're seeing today uh, so to give us you know an objective point of reference. Let's use biblical Christianity as our mark for a second. And all Christians should aim to be biblical because uh, uh, the only reason they heard the gospel or heard about the gospel is because it was passed down, it was passed down in writing. And, and what I mean by that is, you know we're christians because we heard the gospel by means of the bible and how weird is it to accept the gospel from the pages of the bible while rejecting other doctrines from the same book that's weird right so that would be cherry picking like oh i like the saved by grace through faith um but i don't like this passage four verses over no if you're going to hear the gospel from the bible then why aren't you going to accept the rest of the bible as well um, so, from that position, let's start. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to first contrast um, against biblical Christianity, progressive Christianity, or what some are calling moderate Christianity, uh, against again biblical Christianity. And and I think um, after that we'll we'll touch on yoga and then the enneagram. So to be a moderate Christian is just like a sanitized way of saying you are lukewarm. Christian, or you're a lukewarm Christian. So this it exposes the idea that if you're, uh, you know, a quote well balanced Christian that can find harmony with the culture, that you're somehow a more evolved or woke or enlightened form of a Christ follower. And and this idea is not found in Scripture. Like, you know, in fact, Jesus says in Revelation three sixteen. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so God would rather you deny him fully than accept him partially. And so God hates partiality and half-heartedness. James 4.4 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Romans 12.11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay, so let's just kind of put the moderate Christianity heresy to rest real quick. Um, God wants you to either be on fire for him, um, uh, you know, or, or like he'd rather you just be cold, right? He doesn't want you to find a cozy balance of costless, cultural, lukewarm, moderate Christianity. Okay, that's not what he's looking for. So next, I want to talk about this. You know, the segue here is that modern Christianity. I want to talk about the term now, pro- progressive Christianity or the progressive church. And so to start, I, you know, the progressive church, a progressive Christianity implies that Christianity evolves. Uh, it doesn't evolve. Uh, Hebrews 13:8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. Uh, Malachi 3:6 says for I the Lord do not change. Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the, the word of our God will stand forever. Uh, Jesus closes with a bomb in Matthew 24:35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Uh, in my book Real Christianity, uh, that just came out a couple months ago, I referenced a quote from Dustin Bench that said, the scriptures don't change, they change us. If we disagree with something we read in scripture, it's not the Bible that needs to change, it's us. And so look, the the enemy is good at his job, and he's going to choose some attractive words for his campaign. Like, Who doesn't want progress, right? Uh, Satan's core job is deception, and he's all about counterfeits. And remember, a good counterfeit looks like the real thing. Um, and and the only way to de- to uh, to detect a counterfeit is to really have a deep and I would say certain understanding of the real thing. And again, this is why we need to be studying, not just reading the Word of God. And we need to be studying it not like uh, you know we're we're sola scriptura, meaning that we. the the central authority is scripture alone, Uh, but we're not so low scriptura, meaning that we're only looking at the Bible. We're not reading any other theological books. We're not we're not talking to anybody else. We're that's not me and my Bible the me and my Bible in the corner theology. It's it's my Bible looking about historical, theological, like what has the church history through the Holy Spirit already determined is truth that aligns with scripture and your understanding. Like that's important. Like what is classic historic evangelical Christianity? Um So basically, Christianity is not progressive. Uh, It's stationary. You cannot progress on what is already perfect. And this is different than reforming. Uh, Reforming is bringing the church into alignment with scripture, where uh, I would say progressivism is an attempt to bring the church into balance with the culture. Uh, It's like, Someone standing between two enemies, like Christ over here on the left and the culture over here on the right with their hands out hoping to become the bridge. That's progressive Christianity. It's not biblical and it should be called out for what it is. Hey, Dale Partridge here. If you don't know, our mission on this podcast is to bring the church back to the Bible. And basically, we want to make sure that you're experiencing biblical Christianity and not the culture's counterfeit. And sadly, the Western church is filled with Christians who accepted Christ without really understanding what that means. And the modern church hasn't done the best job in helping believers understand the deeper doctrines of the Bible. And for that reason, I wrote a short and bold book called Real Christianity. The subtitle is How to Be Bold for Christ in a Culture of Darkness. The question this book answers is, what does it really mean to be a Christian according to Scripture? Now guys, this is an easy 75-minute read that aims to lay down the theological building blocks of the Christian faith. And for those who want more, I created a printed companion study guide as well. And you can buy both in our store at shop.relearnchurch.org or pick them up on Amazon and print Kindle or audiobook. Now, um, now, how does progressive Christianity link up with yoga and the Enneagram? Uh, well, there, there are Are just, you know, I'm going to say these are just like two examples of how worldly ideas, um, you know, have been accepted and adopted by the progressive church. And, you know, by that I mean these two are unique because it's not just that we have a few Christians doing yoga at a fitness center or that their employer had them take the Enneagram to better understand their personality. No, it's actually quite more, or uh, qu- quite deeper, and and I would say much more extreme than that. We have a church who is sanctioning yoga classes. Uh, you know, it's called Holy Yoga or Praise Moves. Um, the church is hosting these things. It's in- endorsing this. It's promoting this. Um, we even have pastors who are now doing, you know, and creating an entire like 10-week sermon series on the Enneagram. I've actually seen several pastors do this. And so let, let's quickly talk about this idea of, quote, holy yoga. Um, First, the origin of yoga is Vedic. Um, and Vedic is the precursor religion to Hinduism. And classical yoga and its poses are really just religious positions of worship to animals, mystical qualities, uh, and to other gods. And the act itself really is a worship act. And and for that reason, it cannot be done in a way that is not spiritual. This is why people have integrated it with churches, because it is spiritual. Uh, We don't integrate Pilates and CrossFit at church because they are obviously not spiritual and everyone knows it. And so just understand that point is that the reason that we have yoga at church is because it's basically admitting that it is a spiritual activity. And so just, and there's a reason why we don't do that with other things like Pilates and CrossFit and you can name a bunch of other examples there. Um, So that's a really important point. Um, You know, the other point is that there's like a birth of this stuff. There's Christian like yoga companies, like one's called Holy Yoga, the other one's, as I mentioned earlier, is called Praise Moves, uh, which again are titanic contradictions. Um, You you can't have those things in the same bucket. Um, It's like kind of like saying, you know, um, like Holy Islam, you know, in in terms of, um, you know, using another religion there, Holy Buddhism. Um, It's a different thing here. And so uh, another fascinating piece of evidence is that true yogis are actually upset that the West has vandalized their religion. Uh, imagine if the like entire Chinese culture, for example, started taking the practice of Christian baptism and communion while denying any religious connection to these uh, sacraments and then secularizing them in a way that distorts it from the Bible. Um, it would probably make a bunch of Christians upset. And again, this just points to the reality that yoga is spiritual, and yoga's own participants will confirm this. I would say, try to find a legit yogi who denies the spirituality of yoga. You you won't find that. Um, But the truth is, uh, westernized yoga is not outwardly religious. Um, However, it is the gateway to its religious sister, Um, You know, actually here in Bend, Oregon, there's a yoga studio uh, that when you join, you have to pick your God before you participate in a session. And so it's not like just over in India that this kind of stuff's happening. I actually remember a story, um, some acquaintances that we had several years ago, uh, they were a part of the church and then all of a sudden they kind of left the church and um, they they didn't recommit to a church. They'd been Christians for many, many years, and I remember noticing the spouse, the the woman, started going to yoga classes and sharing about that on the internet, and then I started noticing her uh, going to yoga retreats, Um, and then I started noticing uh, her make statements that were really, you know, not scriptural and leaning on this kind of you know, yoga uh, ideology and theology that is is opposite from Scripture. And, you know, it's several years later. And last I check, they're they're really not walking in step with God or Christianity. They're very much walking away and finding the solution to their problems in yoga. And so this is how it happens. Satan is a patient incrementalist. And so he's all about the slow fade. Uh, So just want you to kind of be aware of that. Um, But, uh, you know, most Christians are going to say, well, I don't worship the Hindu gods when I do yoga. I worship Jesus when I do yoga. Um, It's, again, kind of like they're trying to tell you that they've redeemed yoga somehow. Uh, Basically, they're slapping, you know, God onto their worldly practices, hoping that, you know, by sprinkling some Jesus on it, God's going to endorse their activity in some way. Uh, This is the same heart behind like ethical pornography or spouse-approved adultery or evangelism inside the porn convention. Uh, It's lipstick on a pig. Um, You know, imagine walking into a Muslim mosque and participating in Islam's five daily prayers of Salat. Okay, but you're really just praying to Jesus uh, how do you think God feels about that? Uh, well, we don't have to guess because he tells us in his word how he feels about that. So I'm going to look at Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 31. It says, When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, the land of Canaan, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you, do not, uh, that you be not ensnared. So first it says, Take care. That you be not, this is command, be ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you. And that you, quote, do not, here, inquire about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods, that I might also do the same? Verse 31, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. So first, um, this passage in Deuteronomy tells us that there is a way to worship the Lord, and it's not by adopting the worship practices of other religions. So that's one thing. And why? Well, he, he gives you the, the reason in the in the text. Because the Lord hates worship what they have done for their gods. And this would include him hating what the people have done uh, for the Hindu gods, which is quite gross if you want to do some research online, but we don't have time to talk about that right now. Um, John 4.24 affirms this same principle in the New Testament when uh, he writes, uh, God is spirit, uh, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so Basically, we don't get to worship God the way that we want to worship God. We get to worship God according to truth. And there's actually a really good documentary on this topic. If you guys want to watch it, I think you can get it uh, on Vimeo On Demand for sure. And maybe on Amazon Prime. It's called Spirit and Truth. Um, And it's from, um, they produce some, some other Calvinist documentaries. You guys know that I'm not a Calvinist. I appreciate the documentary though. It's pretty solid. So I just take a peek at it. Um, uh, The second biblical argument on this yoga thing is found on what we do with our bodies. Okay, so there's this founder of Holy Yoga, her name's Brooke Boone, and in an interview with Yoga Magazine, uh, she responded to a question that said, uh, what we do, basically, you know, if what we do with our bodies changes the authenticity of our worship in some way— and she responded with, "Well, God looks at the heart and not at the body." Okay, so first, um, she's vandalizing First Samuel sixteen seven. Yes, God looks upon the heart, and man looks like on the outward appearance. That's what she's kind of referencing there. But He also cares what we do with our bodies. In fact, what we do with our bodies matters regardless if our heart is in the right place or not. And why? Well, First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Question mark? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, that's just a slam dunk on the the, the argument there, right? It just goes, okay, yeah, we we don't get to do what we want with our bodies, just letting you guys know. Uh Romans twelve tells us that our bodies are to be a living sacrifice to God, and that means uh, we don't do certain things with our bodies out of our love for God. Like we we sacrifice what we would like to do with our bodies as a way to display our worship and devotion to God. And actually, in uh, verses one and two of Romans twelve, it says that that's our reasonable service to Him. Like, you know, just if you forgot that He basically saved your eternity and saved your your life and died for your sins and attributed his uh, his righteousness to you so that you could be redeemed. Um, like, just letting you know it's your reasonable service to do that. That's basically what that verse is telling you. Um, now, as a Christian, can you do breathing exercises and stretching? Uh, sure. Just don't associate it with the activity of yoga uh, or these kind of you know, weird contradictions like holy yoga or praise moves and any, I would say, non-Christian mysticism stuff. Uh, and again, this is a massive topic that we just don't have time to tackle in this episode. Uh, I might put some resources uh, in the show notes um, at relearn.org. Uh, uh, so if you can maybe take a peek at there, I, I might put some videos or something like that. I've, I've read some cool articles and i like to include them there if I can. Um, now, um, let's talk about the Enneagram. So we hit two of the three here, and if you haven't heard about the Enneagram, I promise it's coming to a church near you. Uh, it's basically a personality assessment and self-discovery tool, and there's a, a book that's probably the most popular book on the topic right now. It's called The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Susan Stabile, um, Suzanne Stabile, and it's probably, you know, yeah, probably the most influential book at the time. I've actually spoken to Suzanne for about an hour to fully understand the Enneagram a few years ago. Uh, but in recent years, it's really exploded in the church and is heralded as a uh, Christian self discovery tool. And at the heart, um, the problem is really this the Enneagram is a self focused tool that promises uh, like deep discovery by looking inward. And that stands in contrast to the scriptures, which claims that self like self, is deceptive and bankrupt. And the only true discovery comes from looking outward towards Christ. So it really stands in opposition to uh, the biblical doctrine. And when you read these Enneagram books and listen to the Enneagram stories uh, from today's celebrity pastors, you're, you're bombarded with a lot of these like therapeutic ideologies and... Um, And some, you know, the language that's kind of like, you know, for love yourself or forgive yourself or loving yourself or finding your true self or, you know, uh, you know, be whole or becoming spiritually evolved. Like these are a big uh, part of the language that you're going to hear from those. Basically, the hero of the Enneagram is you, hence the title of the book, "The Road Back to You." Right? It's so so the Enneagram. It's like it's this self. Idolatry situation going on here. Now, no pastor uh, is going to market it as an anti Bible tool to find yourself. Uh, again, they're going to try to sprinkle some Jesus on it and sanitize it for congregational consumption. And ultimately, they're doing the same thing with the Enneagram that the church is doing with yoga. Uh, they're taking a pagan and secular practice and Christianizing it. And again, um, you know, the initial experience with these things aren't so obviously pagan. Uh, that they, you know, would deter the average Christian from engaging. Um, the thing um, is, you know, yeah, so they're, they're not so obvious like that. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, neither is a bucket of apples to a deer, right? It doesn't look like a bad idea, uh, especially at first glance. But when you realize as a deer that the bucket of apples is in the hunter's backyard, you can see that the deer was just baited. And ultimately, you know, the progressive church, yoga, the enneagram, and any form of kind of deviation from, a, I would say, a vigilant and scripturally fixed set of doctrines, is dangerous. Not just for what they are, but where these ideas are going. And and again, I I think in many cases these are the bait of Satan. Right? They're 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 slippery slope things that lead to other things that are more serious. And sadly, when a you know a pastor's salary and the church budget is dependent upon cultural popularity um, of the sermon preached and the music played, it's not long until the pastor starts preparing sermons and messages to please the lost instead of preparing expository sermons to strengthen and edify the saints. And so you got a situation here with the church that makes it inset- like it's not focused on the, it's not a committed centric church. It's a visitor centric church. It's, it was, it's not like we're doing, um, basically we're evangelistically centric church. We're not even really doing church. We're just doing evangelism and you can show up if you're a Christian, but really it's catered for the visitor or for the, the baby in the faith. And so we offer all these things that are worldly as some kind of way to show that we're not really that different from the world and maybe like softening up or making Christianity more palatable, that you actually have to die to your desires and pick up a cross and follow Jesus. Um, And so we get ourselves in these situations where we start adopting the practices of the world and we bring them into the church and they lead people to other things. And man, Jesus is so uh, like, he's so intense about these. Like, He talks about Matthew, I mentioned it in the homeschool episode that I did not long ago, uh, that we need to be careful, anyone who leads one of these little ones who believe in him away, it's better for that person to get a millstone wrapped around their neck and drown in the sea, is what Jesus says. And so, man, it's shocking to me when pastors endorse and promote things like yoga or the Enneagram that really preach doctrines that are in opposition to scripture. It's just risky business. So I'm going to leave you with four of about 10 direct New Testament commands on being spiritually watchful. Um, so one Peter five, eight says, uh, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a war- like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First uh, Corinthians six, 14, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, uh, that was obviously written to men. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 6. Uh, so then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober, uh, meaning being sober-minded. And Titus 1, 9, which is written to elders, uh, shepherds, pastors, It says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, meaning as taught by the apostles, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so, shepherds, if you're listening here, it's your job to make sure that you're guarding the sheep from some of this stuff and that we're not progressing. We're actually fixed on a stationary, biblical, unchanging, historic Christianity. So... Remain on guard, my friends. Hopefully that was helpful for you guys. And we'll be edifying and waking you up and being watchful for these things in your own church. If these things are happening in your church, I would recommend um, having a conversation, a sit-down conversation with your pastor um, and with respect and honor, integrity, uh, gentleness, but having a discussion. And uh, depending on their answer, it may require you and your family to leave these churches and, uh, and try to find a more biblically-centered church. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. All right. On that note, guys, thank you for listening. Again, if you um, guys would like to leave a review, you can do that just by tapping on uh, the stars in the iTunes app. And also, if you're interested in leaving a donation in support of our ministry and the work that we're doing here at ReLearn Church, which actually, guys, we are about to change the name to relearn.org. We actually got the domain, and so that's already working and forwarding. So we're going to be calling ourselves relearn.org. We'll tell you more about that later, but just that's kind of a a little win that we wanted to share about. So um, thank you guys for listening today, and we will see you with some great episodes coming up next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.